Short Game. This is the show where we discuss short video games. Really good ones. Games that you can pick up and get a great experience out of in an evening or a weekend. Uh, the kind of games that I love to play and that I hope you'll love to play, too. Uh, we feature one great game per week, and this week we're talking about a fantastic game that I played earlier this year, Octodad, Dadliest Catch. Uh, but before we discuss that, I'll introduce my co-hosts. With me today is Shane Kelly, my twin brother. That's me. How's it going? Pretty good. And, uh, of course, oh, I am Reagan Kelly. And also uh, joined by uh, the sexiest podcaster alive, Nate Heininger. Hello, everybody. Wow, did you hear that? Yeah, that was quite the ringing endorsement. Whew, that was something. Yeah. I got to take a sip of my water. All right. <laughs> so before we start the show, um, before we dive into talking about Octodad, which is just a really neat little game, and it is a little game, so this is a true short game, a game that you can truly enjoy in an evening. Um, before we dive into Octodad... Is that a is that a pun? It kind of is, isn't it? Uh, Octodad. Well, I, I assumed that the title was a pun on the Octomom. Uh, yeah. you know, I think that it is, but it's, it's more be. than that. Yeah, it, it came out. Well, okay, we'll talk about this in a few minutes. Uh, before, we'll talk more about the Oct. Put a pin in the Octomom. We'll circle back around to the Octomom. Slap Octomom up on the uh, on on the noteboard, and we'll come back to it. But before we dive into talking about Octomom slash Dad. Um, what's everybody playing? What's keeping you occupied? Well, I have, I have been kind of vacillating a little bit. I've been switching back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got three games that I am I, in the process of starting and can't commit to any of them. So, uh, one of them I've played with you, Reagan, that's Mercenary Kings. I think it was you, Nate, that turned me onto it. Yep. Yeah. We talked very briefly about that in a, in a recent episode. Absolutely. And... Oh my gosh, I'm I'm starting to really get into this game. Uh, so, just for the folks at home, just my take on it as having played it for a little while is it's like a cross between Diablo and Metal Slug. And yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's <clears throat> at least in terms of the gameplay, it's it's got a very strong kind of twitchy platform element. The the platforming is very precise. It has a high difficulty curve on that part of it, I think. Just getting started in that game, I died a whole lot. Just tons yeah. and tons. It can be difficult, absolutely. There's a there's a mission really early on where you're fighting a boss-type character, and I've been playing the game with my girlfriend a lot on the PS4, and we it took us several, several attempts to, to complete that mission. Yeah, I think I may still be working on that one. And I tried playing it with my wife, and uh, she played it for about 15 minutes and says, this is too hard, I hate it. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, and she's not, she's not a gaming slouch. But, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe not for everybody. But I am very much enjoying it. Uh, and uh, despite kind of the really awful difficulty curve, um, I haven't really gotten into many of the crafting elements of it. I've kind of built up a little bit of a gun if you've gotten a little farther into it, Nate, like how, how much is, is there there to the game? Well, I'm not that far into it. I've completed, I think the first run of missions. There's different, as you complete missions, you open up new rankings and open up new missions and you can kind of skip through them and move up rankings faster. But I've been kind of doing the completionist and playing every mission. And I've just completed all of the first round and I've got a pretty good weapon. I think, 
but they kind of hold you back because it's built on random drops and and the better weapons require certain random drops that i haven't found yet so i just assume that they start dropping in deeper and deeper into the game Mm. but it has been kind of fun like i i made a pistol with kind of an assault scope on it and uh molly my girlfriend had something kind of similar but she did it for different stock so it it's a little more accurate and it's been a lot of fun but it's definitely hard i will say it gets you do get better and you start to kind of learn the levels too. Yeah, that's the thing. It seems like it's it's a lot of the missions take place in the same level in the same terrain, and so you just get better navigating around. Yeah. Uh, the the platforming elements of it were uh, really uh, brutal. Like I I wound up spending all of my money on uh, adrenaline shots to revive myself after I died. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty interesting game. I really I really like it. Thanks for thanks for turning me on to yeah. it. And it kind of came at the same time as I spotted Metal Slug 3 on sale. Oh, yeah. I have I bought that on sale, and I haven't even opened it yet. I haven't even installed it. I bought that for you, and you haven't installed it yet. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I just, I just became a completely ungrateful. That was actually a really funny situation because I literally had my iPad turned on with Steam open, and I was, like, hovering over the buy button when I got a text from you, Shane, that said, I just bought us Metal Slug. I was like, oh, well, I just saved 350 <laughs> Oh, glad I could save you that 350 yeah. So go ahead and install that game. So I will. Can try it it's out. It's cool. I spent that 350 on a mini Blizzard, and I enjoyed that very much. So we're good. <laughs> from Dairy Queen? Yes. <laughs> okay. I think well, that says something about the current gaming industry. I know, yeah, yeah, it really does. Metal Slug, Metal Slug Three, right? A classic, brilliant game from the um, from the Neo Geo. uh, And not only that, it's been upgraded with online play, and it's it's a very nice port, which is insane. You can play this classic Neo Geo game against a friend on the internet. We are living in a truly magical age. Three fifty. Yep. Eh, I'll get a Blizzard. That's what I think a lot of the, about that uh, with mobile gaming, iPad, iPhone, and whatnot. When people will be like, "Ugh, I'm not paying a dollar for that." Ninety nine like, cents for Ooh, a, game. a soda, and you go and get a soda for like a dollar eighty. It's like, oh yeah, that was that was worth my money. Oh, yeah. God. Then again, I will say that some of those mobile games, I would enjoy a Blizzard more and for longer. Well, and that's fair. You know, there is definitely uh, some quality issues, and you you really do feel like you wasted money when you buy a crappy game. Mm-hmm. But still, I buy, you know, like uh, Reagan said, like a Blizzard, and mm-hmm. that's like three games that I could buy. You know what I think yeah. would really solve this problem? Something I was thinking about the other day. Don't say microtransactions because I will beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think there's a quality control problem and a pricing problem in mobile games, but also in just, I mean, not even just in video games in general or even almost in things in general. You know what would be better? You know how we could fix this issue? Don't let don't let the game publishers price their games. Let the game critics price their games. Huh. You know, if uh... if I publish a shitty mobile game and it's crap... You know, let a let a quorum of uh, Metacritic uh, raters price it at ninety nine cents. But if I make threes, the the most inventive, my opinion, uh, most inventive mobile game of early two thousand and 
14. Um, and I put that out on the App Store. Let the let the critics say this game deserves a eighteen ninety nine price tag. But then no one would buy it, and no one would get to enjoy it. No, so they would, because then would... price and quality You're... would be integrated. <laughs> Your Metacritic cabal has just defeated itself, Darth. <laughs> so the the third game I'm trying to decide between uh, is... Have you guys heard about this game, Child of Light? Uh, yes, I have. I read a yes, really interesting um, article at Polygon about it. Oh, yeah, really? that's available on the PS4. Yeah, and... I have just been looking at it today, and I, I find it pretty intriguing. What have you heard about it? Well, n- what I read about it was that, I mean, first of all, it's made by um, uh, Ubisoft. Uh, yes. Using their uh, their UbiArt engine, which was the same engine they used for the uh, new Rayman uh, Legends game, or which is the newer one, Rayman Legend or Rayman Origins? I think Rayman Legends. Anyway, it's their new um, engine for 2D platformers and apparently now also for RPGs or other 2D games. But what I think is really fascinating about it is that it, it sort of represents the moment, sort of tipping point kind of moment where it looks like large game publishers and large game producers are starting to sort of take on the indie gaming aesthetic. You know, if you looked at this game and you didn't see the Ubisoft, um, you know, nameplate on it, uh, you could easily think that this game was a, a, a small-budget indie game. It looks like it's kind of made with that kind of love. It looks like it's on a small scale. It's two-dimensional. It's it's available on a variety of platforms. It's got all the hallmarks of an indie game, but it is a major-label, big-publisher game. And I think it's really interesting to start seeing that happen because I think the big publishers are noticing what's happening in the indie game space and are starting to target the people like me, I guess, that uh, that love that aesthetic and that gameplay style. It's not exactly a style, but you know what I mean. That, that sort of the appeal of indie games. It comes from smaller, unique experiences that are maybe a little more experimental and have a little bit more, a um, uh, little bit, yeah, yeah, you get the idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess I see what you're saying. It is, it is a, uh, you know, a kind of a cross gameplay it is a platformer with elements of JRPGs is what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you see that, you see that specifically as like a, a targeting of, you think that indie games have a, have a, like a, a patent on the, the platform genre. I, I don't really know if that's the case. <laughs> Maybe not, but almost these days, right? I think it's more just an embracing the concept of a $15 game. Yeah. Yeah. Games with smaller scope. Yeah. And I I don't mean to sound like I think that this game is in that way made inauthentic. I think it's probably um, you know, made by people with the same uh drive and love of gaming as your average indie game. But I just think it's interesting that the indie game space has grown important enough that larger publishers are starting to seemingly kind of emulate the development style and the scope and and whatnot of that indie gaming sort of scene. Yeah, well, I I think I'll probably check it out. I know it's out now. Mm-hmm. Uh so um yeah, I've... Sony's absolutely doing that. I mean, the PS4 has really been pretty awesome as far as uh the ability yeah. to play newer indie games. Mm-hmm. 
I was able to play Don't Starve on my PS4. Oh, you've got to tell cool. me all about that game because I'm seriously considering checking it out, but I haven't actually played it yet. Uh, not to mention with the PS4, uh, the game that we're talking about to dad, today, to dad. To dad. Uh, <laughs> Octo Day, to dad, we'll talk about it. Um, it's uh, out on the PS4 as well. Yeah. Uh, there's Isn't that game uh, Tribute or something like that? It's coming out from the people that made Bastion. I think I saw that. Yeah, That's I coming, heard about that. That's coming that very cool. soon for the PS4. Wow. I so played they... Octodad on my computer using a PS4 controller. So huh. it's kind of like the best of both worlds. <laughs> awesome. Shane, if you come to a decision between those three games, please let us know. I'm uh, curious. Already. And I really want to hear about yeah. Child of Light because it looks cool. Yeah, it does look pretty interesting. I, I think I'm going to uh, give that one a whirl as soon as I get some time. I've been... F- seem- I've been... keep Mercenary Kings keeps drawing me back in, though. And uh, I do love... Uh, any game that, uh, since I know now, I know that you guys both have a copy of it. Um, I'd be delighted to uh, drop into a game of that with you guys. Absolutely, that would be really cool. When you play that game in person, because I've only played it over the internet with Shane uh, so far. When you play it in person with the couch co-op, you know, two people on the same screen, uh, are you doing a? Are you getting a split screen, or does it tie you together in some way? Surprisingly. I was not expecting this when we started it. It's a split screen, and it's a vertical split screen. Oh, so you're each getting, like, one half of the screen left yeah, and right? Yeah, I get left, and, you know, first player gets left, and right, uh, second player gets right. Huh. It's more yeah. like a quarter of the screen where I, as I've been playing it because it divides the screen horizontally. The bottom half is each player's map. Yep. And the top half is each player's play area. Oh. So on that's one of the complaints that i had about it is that that kind of left you with a very small amount of screen real estate that said because of the you know pixel art style and you know the kind of retro nature of the gameplay uh, i didn't find it to be that big of a hindrance Hmm. yeah i thought it was fine it was a little confusing at first because especially i was going in expecting it to be something where we were going to kind of share the same space as you were saying and kind of move through these levels together in reality we actually have spent very little time together because the maps are broad and there's a lot of different ins and outs and directions that you can go yeah so we actually typically unless it's against the boss or a particularly hard thing we'll kind of split up in order to cover more ground i found when i was playing the game that i kept dying and getting separated from shane who i was playing with Mm -hmm. which was a little frustrating it is very fast-paced it's it's hard to stay together so even when we would say okay let's move together unless we are consciously working on it like okay you go now okay i've moved up okay kill this guy unless we're like talking like that you pretty much inevitably become split up Mm -hmm. well i would totally love to jump into a game of this with you two guys so hopefully we'll get a chance to do that shortly here definitely what about you nate what are you playing well i it's more like not playing Uh, i talked about this in the last episode about mlb the show i know sports games can be very uh divisive yeah divisive that's a good word for it but as a massive baseball fan i'm a fan of all things baseball including the best baseball simulator which is the show and it came out today i know this will be listeners this is you know a couple weeks in the past but it includes a massive download to go with it so you've got a disc and it downloads something well actually i i bought it entirely online through 
PlayStation's online store. And that took maybe an hour to download. But then once I started up the game, it had another internal download. And it handled it very strangely because I was able to start the game. And one of the hallmarks of the show is they have a very realistic or as realistic as you can get for like a baseball video game where you actually take control of one player. And it's almost like a baseball RPG Hmm. where instead of controlling the entire team, you control the one person and their path through the minors and the majors Hmm. and all the things that come with that. And I was able to create my character entirely. The uh, character creation is crazy. It's more than any other game I've ever seen with what you can do. (laughs) Can you be a Khajiit? No, that's a good point. But I did make my standard character. His name is Romango. That's kind of my uh, go-to <laughs> character name. First or last name? Is that on his jersey? Uh, his name his name is just Romango. And <laughs> so I had to make him Romango Romango. It's it's a mononym like Madonna. Yeah. Okay. But it wouldn't allow me to not have a first name or a la- like not to leave one of them blank. So his name is Romango Romango. I think you missed which... an opportunity with his first name but not being the Romango. Ooh, that's a good point. Next I like Romango Romango, though, that's, too. It's got a catch to it. I like it. Yeah. And so I, I got entirely through that, did all the character points. I mean, it's a lot like an RPG, like mm-hmm. how many points in stamina, how many points in all this, and go to play my first game, and it says required content not downloaded. Uh. And I just look in the top left corner, and there's a little tiny loading bar. And I'm at about three hours of downloading at this point, and it's still not done. Jesus. So I don't know if it's – I mean, this is a wildly popular game, and I'm sure that there are literally millions of people trying this right now. So maybe I'm just, you know, kind of low on the list or whatever. What but, will happen to Romango? I know. He's just out there in <laughs> baseball, another – I don't know. Uh, I'm, he's not getting called up to the majors. No, he sure. certainly is not. <laughs> Can I ask so, you a question about about that creation character creation process? Sure. I just listened to a show that had a long interview with a um, a baseball recruiter, and okay. he, he described the way he picked a player as he looks for a guy with the good face. So does Romango <laughs> have the good face? Romango has the great face, Ooh. big chops, handlebar mustache. That's what ah, you want so in a baseball player. Absolutely, that's what you want, man. Can you make Absolutely. Romango super fat? You can, but uh, Romango is not super fat. Oh. You can you can make them. I made them uh, like more after. I don't normally b- model anything after myself. Whenever I'm doing things like this, I did make him roughly my size, and if I had muscle, what my muscle would you know <laughs> what my weight would be. So essentially, you eliminated him from ever participating in the majors. Essentially, yes. There are some guys out there, uh, about 5'10". I, if I had muscle, probably about 170, <laughs> 175 or so. Uh, if only. If only. I, I'll ask you a quick question about this, because I only have, uh, have a kind of a vague understanding of most sports games. And the thing that I think, the thing that I've observed about sports games is there's a big division between simulation sports games and action sports games. Um. Would you say that this game veers more towards simulating the game uh, or more towards uh, playing the game as a sort of an action game? I think it got popular for it being a simulator. Mm -hmm. It has some modes that you can turn on to make it more action-based, more because baseball – 
you know, obviously everyone feels like it's a pretty slow sport. Mm -hmm. They have created something called like quick count or quick count, which kind of speed the game up where you can actually play an entire game against a friend of yours in like 20 minutes. Finally. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Now, for someone like myself, I actually don't like that because Uh... I want the full experience. But for somebody who's more of a uh, passive baseball fan, I think it's perfect. But they really go all out to make this as true to the league as currently possible. Hmm. There are other games like RBI Baseball that recently was reborn that is more of an action game where it's a little more cartoony and all about you know hitting home runs and whatnot. And in football, there's like, if you guys remember the Blitz series, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. But the show is, at its core, a simulator. I think, you know, the show, but pretty much everything else that's out there right now is more towards that simulation-y side. And I think back on the only sports games I've ever truly enjoyed, which are mostly tennis. And there have been a couple of others, you know, things like golf. And those were all games where you're playing a single individual character and the game is the game. There's no meta game about you know, can I hire the right players or can I manage the finances of my team? I seem to remember you playing some kind of Mario tennis game that had an extremely intricate metagame. Oh, 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 holy effing crap. Um, Mario tennis power tour. Yes. Excuse me, guys. Mario tennis power tour for the Game Boy Advance is the greatest sports game of all time. Says the guy who has played essentially no sports games. Yeah, well, I think tennis is a little different, too, because that's such a quick twitch motion game to begin with. Like, it just kind of holds up on its own. There's a lot of slow parts of real-life sports, and so video games try to reduce as much of the waiting and the kind of slowness of of live sports as as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to your, uh, you know, fully informed... Uh, take on the show and i hope romango has a great first season oh thank you i appreciate that awesome doing it for his family and his friends (laughs) and for himself well i have been playing a couple of things recently um the game that i'm in the middle of at the moment is i have finally decided to fix the hole in my gaming knowledge and play earthbound um either of you guys played earthbound no, wow. I have not. Okay, actually. well, then this discussion is over. Um, but I finally decided to go back and play it. It's another one of those games that, actually, this is kind of a kind of a crazy situation. This is the third time, the, at least the third time that I've picked up Earthbound and tried to play it. Because it's one of those games that I always knew I should play Earthbound. Um, and the, the very beginning of Earthbound, you are a child in your bed, and uh, you're woken up by a giant crash. And um, you, you know, sneak out of your house... And you find that there was a giant comet that hit the the town near you. Um, later, of course, you find that this, you know, contained an alien or something. Um, but the you're supposed to get to that comet. You know, you're, you're, you sneak out of the house with the intention of checking out the comet. And the first at least two times, maybe three times that I tried to play this game, I would get to the roadblock where the police have set up a roadblock that you can't get past to get to the comet. And you can't get past it. You can't get to the comet. And I would try and sneak around and try and find a way around. There was no way at all to get around this police roadblock. These were the most professional police I've ever seen in a video game. They were unescapable. And you could not get to the comet. 
And I, at that point, just figured, I don't know what I'm doing. But I just, I don't like looking up a walkthrough during the first 10 minutes of a video game. Absolutely. It just feels wrong. So I had yeah. never actually gotten into the game, even though I installed it in an emulator on multiple different devices and I tried to get into the game. Every time I got stymied by this police roadblock, and I think actually <laughs> probably three times. And uh, this most recent time, I was like, okay, this time I can do it, man. I've really got some time. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get into Earthbound. And I got out of bed and I walked down to the uh, to the police roadblock and I looked around and... I same exact thing stuck couldn't get past it I decided damn I'm just never gonna get past this and uh, I said well maybe I just need to explore the rest of the town and out of just on a whim I walked back to the character's house and went back to bed defeated and then you get a psychic message from another character and you wake up the next day and then the roadblock is gone. And I was like, why didn't I figure that out in the like three times I've tried to play this game? So now I'm into the game and it's absolutely fantastic. But it's just these little things. I should have just looked up a walkthrough day one and discovered that, oh, you're supposed to walk out to the roadblock, realize you can't get past it and then go back to bed. What the, what the crap is that? Well, Nintendo expects people to respect bedtimes, right? <laughs> Nintendo doesn't want to give children the wrong idea about sleep habits. Or respecting the police. That's pretty funny. I try very, very hard to not ever look up uh, walkthroughs, but I don't feel bad when I do. Mm -hmm. You know, there are certainly times where I've just been like, I don't feel like spending the time is going to take me to figure all this out mm -hmm. because I'm clearly a dum-dum and I'm straight up stuck <laughs> and I need to get some help. <laughs> Should I be guilty about how much uh, walkthrough or how much wiki information I used playing FTL? Oh my. Uh, I think there's a little bit different. I never looked up walkthrough, but reading forums and things like that for general strategy, I absolutely did that. But I think that's a little bit different when there's a, Looking up strategy for a game that has a billion different play styles is different than looking up, you know, walk through this door, look to your left, pick up this key. Yeah. You know, that's like a walkthrough is different than, yeah. than a game like FTL. Something that yeah. has made me feel a little more comfortable with the Earthbound situation is that I didn't know this when I had initially started playing the game, but I found out later that Earthbound was one of the few games that Nintendo published in America with the strategy guide in the box. There is a uh, and it's a beautiful strategy guide. It came with every copy of the game that was original pub originally published, and it's absolutely it's a beautiful example of weird '90s Nintendo publication. It's gorgeously illustrated, um, and it basically tells you everything you need to do in the game. But it doesn't in a way that doesn't make you feel like you're cheating. It's really well done. So um, I actually finally just downloaded a PDF of that, and now I'm cruising through the game and enjoying every minute. And I think, in a way, feeling kind of more authentic because I'm not looking it up just on, you know, game facts. I'm uh, looking it up in the original document that would have come in the box with the game. And it really is a great way to go. The way the developers intended. Mario would be proud. Exactly. It's awesome. I also should mention that, uh, as a bit of a side note, I'm playing the game uh, this time because I've played it on numerous different setups i'm now playing the game on the best uh emulator console that i have ever had a chance to use and i say this as somebody who went 
who essentially produce the i won't i won't go into it too deeply but i i i've tried a lot of different options for running handheld emulator stuff so i've recently relatively recently purchased an nvidia shield which is uh, if you're not familiar with the nvidia shield it is about the size of a sort of an oversized xbox controller with the same layout but a nice 720p five inch screen built in and a really top of the line android based cpu in it and um, it's got sort of two main features one is that it is a fantastic toy for playing android games on so if you um, if you have a particular Android game that you want to play that would work well with a controller, it's great for those, but it's also fantastic for all the really excellent emulators that are out for Android. So I've been playing SNES games on it, Game Boy Advance games, and it's absolutely a terrific console for all of that with a beautiful touchscreen that you can use. But in addition to that, it's also a great game for its sort of headline feature, game streaming, which is that if you have a gaming PC with an NVIDIA graphics card in it from the 600X series or later. Nerd. I know. I, I recognize that this is a, a, a game console that is going to appeal to a fairly small number of people because you sort of have to check off a lot of things on your checklist. You have to be basically me. But if you can check off, first of all, already own gaming PC, check. That gaming PC has an NVIDIA I think it's a Keepler or whatever the, the spec graphics card in it. So one of the 600 or 700 or, or whatever newer uh, series it is. Okay, check. Um, also, uh, you like the kind of games that would work well on a handheld as well as on a desktop. I love all of the indie games, platformers, things like The Walking Dead where you've got a little bit of a slower pace. It doesn't actually work that well for shooters because the screen is so small, the targets become incredibly small. But for me, the types of games that I play, check, works great on this. Um, and also, you have a really good Wi-Fi router. Also, check for me. So if you can check all of those off, then this is an absolutely phenomenal experience. I could sit down at my computer and play a game, and then if I want, I can grab my shield head up to my bed and sit in my warm, comfortable bed and play the exact same game uh, on a wonderful little handheld meant for PC game streaming. It's, it's the kind of thing that when you first hear about it, you think that must be a shitty experience because the, uh, the game streaming can't possibly work as well as they advertise. But it really does. It is an awesome thing. It's science fiction to be able to stream a game from your PC downstairs to your bed upstairs. It's absolutely awesome. So as much as it sounds like uh we are not sponsored by the Nvidia Shield. <laughs> Though if you're listening Nvidia Yeah, I'd love to, to the checks in the mail guys. Uh, I the fix is in. We would be happy to test your uh Nvidia Shield 2 if and when you uh decide to create yeah. one guys. But uh I mean I I I like the idea and you're when I it's true that when I first heard about this thing I thought, God, that sounds completely useless. Like, that's been a lot of people's it, reaction. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that—that's my—that's still my my reaction. But have it. Well, screw you. Well, <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, so my my gaming PC is not really a PC at all. My gaming PC is actually a twenty-seven inch iMac, but uh, which I dual boot over to Windows. And so I thought uh, I was sitting high on my uh, Mac user high horse saying, oh, I don't need to be able to uh, use one of these devices. Uh, but just as you started 
uh, talking so much about how much you were enjoying it. Um, NVIDIA released an update uh, to their driver uh, for the graphics card that is in my iMac that would enable me to use one of these devices, the the Shield. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, my the 27-inch iMac I have has a NVIDIA GeForce GTX 780M mm-hmm. uh, with 4 gigabytes of graphics RAM. And it's a pretty decent uh, GPU, but it's a mobile GPU in a desktop machine. So I did not think I'd be able to use this thing. Uh, but it turns out I can. And they just dropped the price. Uh, they, what does it actually cost? So they initially, when they first launched, it cost, I think, either 300 or Close the deal here. I know, yeah. I'm bringing it home. So the NVIDIA Shield initially cost, uh, I think it was either 300 or 350 When I bought it, it was 250 and that was on a short-time sale. But will you pay 350 <laughs> No. Will you pay 250 No. Tell them what the final offer uh, is. They're going, for, they're going for 200 bucks now. And I think uh, for 200 bucks, <laughs> they are a really great deal. Uh, for 200 uh, bucks, It's still more than I'm going to pay. I'm not going to drop 200 bucks on this thing. All right. You don't have to. And I'm not trying to sell anybody on it, but I just say that... I've been having a really great time with it. It's really been great. And I've, it means I've got a really excellent console to grab and take with me if I want to play Earthbound on the go or anything all the way up to. It'll even emulate Dreamcast games, which is crazy to me. Because um, it seems... That's pretty cool. Yeah, Dreamcast, didn't it just come out like last year? Like, I've got a Dreamcast connected to my TV. But um, it'll emulate Dreamcast games. It'll emulate uh, PlayStation 1. It'll emulate the PSP. It'll emulate the Nintendo DS which it can actually do decently because it has a touchscreen. Kind of a weird thing, but um, it works. And uh, yeah, I've just been super, super impressed with it, both for uh, emulation and for game streaming. They're also really marketing it as a sort of a platform with Android-based games as kind of an alternative to the PS Vita or the Nintendo 3DS. That's a kind of a failure. There's a lot of decent games on Android, but most of them are not designed with a gamepad in mind. And those that are, are no good. Well, there's just a few that are okay, but it's it's not really worth buying for that. But as an emulator console and as a game streaming device, it is worth every penny. That's my story. <laughs> All right, so um, I think we've put this off long enough. Do we want to uh, talk about this really excellent game about a perfectly normal looking guy? Yeah, I don't really get it. I don't understand. I don't understand the name either. He's just a normal guy. I don't either. There's not eight of him. He's just a, he's mono dad, and he's just a single individual dad. Hardworking. I know he has only two children, which I found confusing. <laughs> All right, so. To to set, to explain the stupid joke that we've just been making for those of you who may not have had a chance to experience Octo Dad yet, uh, we will fire a spoiler horn for any uh, later stuff. But to set up the game, Octo Dad is a action platformer puzzle game. I suppose that's sort of uh, with a with a with a physics slapstick comedy bent. Sure, it's certainly it's certainly all of those things, but. Maybe hard to describe in in a puzzle. In 
puzzle only in that the controls are puzzling. There's no, <laughs> yeah, there's it, very I mean, little. It like, is indeed hmm. puzzling. I think the hardest puzzle for me was mowing the lawn. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, that one I had an okay time. Yeah, with. I had some real difficulties with some of the <laughs> other parts. So the game features the title character Octodad, who is, uh, as described by the game, he is a loving father, a caring husband, a secret octopus. So you play Octodad, who is a bright orange octopus dressed up in the suit and tie of a loving father uh, who is trying to make sure that – trying to complete uh, menial daily tasks around his house and elsewhere uh, while not revealing his octopus nature to his loving wife, two kids, and the other people around him, none of whom even suspect that he is a secret octopus. There's actually, as far as game mechanics go, you have a little um, kind of bar that runs across the bottom. And as you do things that might give off the fact that you're an octopus, it starts to fill up. And so you have to really try your hardest not to be an octopus when you're walking around <laughs> or else you have to restart the level. It's the game's kind of version of dying. Yeah. You cannot be revealed as an octopus. That was an element of the game that I thought I would have loved to go farther with. Uh, this sort of bizarre, uh, bizarre take on a stealth game. Like, you know, I, I thought you it would be it would be excellent if uh, if they could have really solid snaked it up. <laughs> yeah, there was as the game moves on, there are a certain set of characters who really can tell that you might be an octopus. Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, let's start uh, by talking a little bit about the history of the game, and then we'll talk about um, the specifics of the mechanics. Um, Octodad started out... So actually, Octodad Dadliest Catch, the game that we're talking about today, is in a sense Octodad 2. There was a first game in the Octodad series... Um, which was a freeware game um, released for Windows. It was actually, I call it the Octoverse. I hope that uh, <laughs> we get an octology out of it. But uh, the uh, the first game Octoverse was better than octology. I'm sorry. All right. Well, don't worry. I just tend to edit out all of my unfunny jokes so that you guys uh, sound less clever. Uh, Fair enough. With um, the very first game was made by a group of students at DePaul University. So it's really kind of an interesting story. Uh, there, There's a game design program at DePaul, um, and in an effort to kind of get attention for the game design program, uh, some of the professors there arranged a sort of an internal school-wide game jam called the DePaul Game Experience, where uh, some teams of students in their game design program created games, and they did a bunch of uh, brainstorming and stuff uh, and created uh, some games and sent the best one to compete in the student showcase at the Independent Games Festival. This was in 2011. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting story how the game came about. There's some great articles about these guys on the internet because they're really just an interesting new indie game company. Uh, but long story short, they uh, did a bunch of sort of pressure cooker style uh, game design meetings wherein the professors essentially locked them in a room and made them come up with game designs until they were completely out of ideas and then made them throw all of those game designs away and then did it again and then did it again until they were all so completely out of ideas that they were coming up with ludicrous, dumb, bizarre ideas. And finally, Octodad came out of all of that. That's really funny. I had not, I did not read that. One of the quotes from one of the, uh, 
one of the people involved was uh, once you get past Zelda but with guns, you really start to get into the weird sounding stuff. But any of it could be a game and any of it could be very interesting. And I think that's a really great approach because I think there are so many obvious games being made where it's, well, this is another game a lot like these other five games that I've played. But in this one, things are a different color and also the characters have a different accent. You know, it's it's just uh, things can start feeling a little samey. But Octodad, particularly the first one, felt like nothing else out there. I definitely love games that are difficult to describe to to even a even a inveterate gamer, you know, like this is a game that the concept I I, I had a, I told a friend about it today, uh, just you know, as we were uh, chit chatting about what we were doing today, and I was like, yeah, I, I'm doing a podcast about a game called Octodad. It's a game where you are an octopus in a suit. And you're raising children. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> so it's it's just a... It, it, it's it's a, a great game because it's so... It's impossible to describe. It's a, it's a physics puzzle. It's a fatherhood simulator. <laughs> yeah. Gameplay-wise, I don't even really care about it. But like, I, I think the, the gameplay of it is, is interesting. Uh, but the, the thing that really made it work for me was just that how the story of the game and the kind of idea the out there idea of the game and the cartoonish art style of the game just all kind of came together to make a whole that was really um kind of as weird as it was you can kind of jump right into it and and really just go it felt so much to me like a saturday morning cartoon that's exactly what i was was thinking is like that it had that kind of car. It felt like a, a weird episode of SpongeBob or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what it reminded me of most was um, Animaniacs, and more specifically, their segment Chicken, Chicken Boo. Boo. Chicken Boo. Chicken Boo. Yes, it was. It does remind me of Chicken Boo. He wears a disguise to dress like human guys, but you're not a man. You're Chicken Boo. Oh my God, I loved Chicken Boo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's essentially Chicken Boo the video game, but with an octopus. And what's wonderful about it is that the bizarre physics of the game, most of the comedy of the game comes not just out of its bizarre scenario, but also out of how you know, your goal in the game is to act like a person. But they give you all these bizarre constraints on the controls and the physics that make it really, really difficult to act like a person. And so the physics are constantly going mad and your you know your legs are flying out from under you and you're knocking over objects and so well, yeah there's banana peels everywhere yeah so yeah. it is it is 100% a slapstick they did not cartoon. need to include those banana peels that was just cruel totally uncalled next, for yeah, i mean you're tripping all over yourself just trying to keep on on four weird octo- octopus legs <laughs> so i feel like we should explain the controls of the game at this point because okay. that's the crux of the entire sure. thing did, did anybody hear did i any of you guys play it with anything other than a game pad did you play with a mouse and keyboard no and i can't imagine how i did not i know that this actually they give you a really good selection of options for how to play this game so first of all you can play it with almost any game pad you can connect to your computer so you can connect a ps4 controller a ps3 controller or an xbox 360 controller and your computer will recognize it and it will give you a good optimized experience. They did a great job of supporting gamepads, but you can also play the game with a mouse and keyboard. 
Um, I have not played it with a mouse and keyboard. And I think the general consensus is it's pretty well designed for a gamepad. Yeah, I can't imagine how it's played with a mouse and keyboard, though I'm sure they made it, you know, possible. <laughs> but I played it with a PS4 controller. Mm-hmm. What did you guys use? I used a Logitech controller that's very much like a uh very much like a uh a Xbox controller but with a layout kind of similar to uh PS3 controller. I I use yeah. the same. I've got that nice Logitech controller which is great yeah, for nice PC controller. games. But so um Go ahead. Did you guys play Quop? K W O P. I think you mean Q W O P. Did I? Say I did K-W-O-P? not play that. Q W O P. I have heard of this game, and it, it's it's a it's a running simulator. <laughs> right. Well, you know all this stuff we've been saying. You know, it's a RPG. All that stuff I think is giving it to me. It's Quop with a story. Yeah. It the the entire basis of the game. Well, it's funny. It's it's kind of uniquely designed. It's all about how difficult it is to do anything. Mm-hmm. You control your octopus. He's upright for most of the time, <laughs> and nothing moves separately. You or you control each limb individually, and they put you in things that would be very simple in most rpgs like climbing stairs or picking up an item or going up a ladder but the fact that you have to you know in on the ps4 control you hold the right trigger and that allows you to have control of the right leg and you have your two thumbsticks that you have to move one moving it kind of vertical and down and the other one kind of moving it in kind of a 360 degree circle and He's a little suction. It's an octopus, so it kind of has a little bit of a suction cup aspect to it. But it's so difficult just doing anything other than running straight, for, uh, straight uh, in a straight line. I would kind of liken it to. It's as if you were trying to control a marionette made to be controlled by two people, but you're controlling it all by yourself. It's yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's 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 so whole, difficult. Yeah, but. Actually, it's bizarre how like it does become easier, but there's but it's it's always just a hair away from slipping out of your control and having something bizarre happen, having you know Octodad fly off in a weird direction oh, yeah. or knocking over an object. So it, that's the great thing about it is that the world is full of just you know fragile bottles <laughs> and you know shelves of fine china. piles of groceries yeah and they're all lined up right at the end of a place you have to run through you know it's it's that's that's a that's a fun element it's and again you're trying to prove that you're not an octopus so if you're knocking too much stuff over people start to notice that guy might be an octopus but they do give you a surprising (laughs) benefit of the doubt (laughs) yes they do um but it was there were times when i was just stuck and straight out frustrated, not even like, this is fun, I'm enjoying this, just like, I cannot get up this stupid ladder. <laughs> I had to sit, like put it down for a second and be like, I don't know if I'm having fun right now. <laughs> but I will say I, I played it in two sittings, one each of about an hour and 15 minutes or so. And... After my first 
time playing it when I was having some real difficulty up with it. The second run through, I actually flew right through a lot of stuff and I had a much better, I don't know if something finally clicked, but I had a real difficult time with this game to start with. Mm-hmm. I think it does come down to, and you, you compared it to Quop, and I would also compare it to Surgeon Simulator. I don't know if you've played that game, yeah. but that's another game where essentially the controls, or rather your lack of really good control, kind of makes the game. It both provides the humor of the game and also the challenge of the game. Um, nothing in this game would be at all hard if you were playing as, I don't know, one of the dudes from Assassin's Creed. Um, this is a game where a lot of the humor and a lot of the uh, the tension and everything about the game comes from how crummy and bizarre the controls are. You're constantly working against them. But that can become a really fun aspect of it. And it's funny, though, because it's it, it's not that the controls are bad. They're actually extremely precise. They just give you too much control over too small and too specific a movement. So yes, oh yeah, absolutely. And you find yourself like swinging around, trying to get yeah. your one leg up on the next step, and your whole body's flailing around, and you're the one who's controlling it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only a couple times when there's other, you know, things. There's there's like you're on a boat at one point. And it's swaying, and that just makes things more difficult. But for the most part, you are the one flailing about. You are in complete control of the entire thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or you're attempting to be in complete control. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really interesting about this is that I think like some other games that that I think use these control scheme as sort of center stage... um, Like, for example, we talked a little bit about Thomas Was Alone and how all of the traits of all the characters... Uh, were kind of tied to their personalities. Well, if Octodad has a single defining personality trait, it is that he's not comfortable in his own skin. He, by definition, doesn't want to be found out for the octopus that he is. Um, And that discomfort, really, you feel it in the controls. Octodad is not comfortable in the suit and he is not comfortable climbing the stairs. And he is not comfortable making his way through the uh, the amusements in the aquarium. And you aren't comfortable either because you can't really quite make him do what he obviously wants to do. So I think actually that is a really clever aspect of the game. It's just really built to make you feel the frustration of... That sounds a little corny. Feel the octopus, but... <laughs> But you really, you really feel the octopus in this game. Really feel the octopus. back to talking about the uh the young horses that's the name of the of the company that produced this game um this game was the product of a kickstarter project that followed that initial success so they made their first octopus have we played any games that were not product of a kickstarter campaign that is a great question actually 
Thomas Was Alone was not the product of a Kickstarter campaign. Oh, okay. But he, but he had, he had an Indiegogo campaign. Oh, well, well uh, that's, that, yeah, it's <laughs> the same thing. Uh, but Young Horses started a Kickstarter campaign to uh, to fund Octodad Two, as it was then called, um, and uh, they all uh, graduated from college, as far as I know, and most of them actually got regular day jobs. But they wanted to they wanted so badly to sort of keep the team together and create something commercial and successful out of this Octodad game that they created their company, Young Horses, and they moved in together in a house and they started doing things like pooling grocery money uh, so that two members of their fairly large team were able to uh, leave their full-time jobs and work full-time on the game while the rest of them worked part-time on the game and uh, funded its development. So they took the Kickstarter campaign and mostly put that into business expenses and sort of funneled or lent their own money to the company in order to fund the development of the game. Uh, there's a really great uh, article uh, that I'll put a link to in the show notes sort of profiling them about midway through their development process. And you really feel the tension of this tiny games company trying to get their first great product out. Um, but uh, their Kickstarter project uh, was a big success. And then they spent two years following that making the game. It was released this January, and uh, so far as we can tell, it's been a big success. They sold more units than they intended to, they or than they than they had uh, hoped to. I think it sold <laughs> ninety thousand copies, and that's before the PS4 launch. So the game's now out on PS4. I have no idea how many copies it sold since that time. Nate, you're a PS4 gamer. Is this right up the alley of PS4 owners? Are they uh, clamoring for a octopus? Octopus Fatherhood Simulator? <laughs> I have no idea what the general PS4 gamer is looking for. I don't know who this game is being marketed to, but I'm glad to see it get such wide release. Could it be targeted at Secret Octopi? I bet there's some people are they who among are playing us? this game, and they feel like they can really relate to Octodad, I'm sure. I think there's some real opportunity there for Octodad 3. Octo Octotunity? Excuse me. Well, perhaps Octodad 3 could be you controlling Octodad using a PS4 controller to play Octodad 2. Oh, God. Uh oh. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that said, I honestly, I, I would sign in for uh, for Octodad 3 or the, the for Octodad, uh, some other pun subtitle. Octodad meets Octomom, something like that. I would most assuredly buy Octodad 3. I would buy it day one. But I bought Octodad 2 day one. Uh, Octodad 2, uh, or Octodad Dadliest Catch, catch uh, had a trailer out before the game came out that was, I think, the single best piece of video game marketing I've ever seen. Uh, have you guys seen the trailer for Octodad? Did you see it before I uh, browbeat you into playing the game? Yes. So th and I thought it looked hilarious. It is. So we'll be putting a link to that, of course, in the show notes as well. Uh, and uh, its primary feature is the excellent Octodad theme song, which is entitled Octodad, Nobody Suspects a Thing. Uh, I'll be dropping that right into the show right now. Strong legs. 
sing uh, on Skype, we get quite out of sync. It's pretty bizarre. So, Octodad has this fantastic trailer featuring that great game, uh, that great theme song, excuse me, and um, also kind of hinting at the story, which isn't much of a story, but was enough to draw me in. It is at least the story of a fun cartoon. Um, and so I was 100% sold on Octodad from the moment I saw that trailer. And I bought the game on day one immediately. It hit Steam, and I think I bought it within hours. And then I immediately jumped into the game, uh, and I had finished the game. I was truly into it. And I don't think... I think I'd finished the game before I even ever exited it to the desktop. I think I completed it in about uh, two and a half hours uh, that afternoon. So truly a short game. Um, oh yeah, it, this is. If we could find a thousand games this length, we could make this show forever. It'd be daily. <laughs> but the game has a story, which I actually uh, thought was a bit uh, endearing. Did you guys find the characters and story to do anything for you? Yeah, it was cute. You know, it, it's all built around him. You know, masking the fact that he's a. Uh... He's an octopus. Mm-hmm. Most of the story is is the wife kind of questioning his intentions and his his daily motives. Mm-hmm. And he also, you know, we haven't said this yet. He doesn't actually speak. He just gurgles. And <laughs> you, everything has subtitles. And the gurgles will be subtitles as like he gurgles questioningly and everybody responds to it as if he's saying something in english and it's like insistent blub furious blurb blurb blurbs yeah and there's really not that many characters i mean there's the the wife the two daughters or the daughter and the son that the main bad guy the chef 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 and then you know yeah there's some you know, some side characters, tertiary, like, mm-hmm. you know, filler characters that actually have some really funny yeah. jokes. I, I liked, I liked the, the wife, uh, cause I, I liked her, um, kind of suspicions of him. It was, it was cool that, you know, uh, she seemed to be on to him, but she, she was still loved him. She didn't know what was up. Uh, that was kind of a, a cute character. And I very much liked that this game actually, told the story of their relationship. The first Octodad game, its plot was very simple. Essentially, you were Octodad, you spent the entire time in the house, and you were trying... uh, Much of the game was involved in trying to create a mannequin that you could uh, put in your place so that you could escape into the basement to do something secretive. And it wasn't entirely... Uh, clear what I, I never actually played Octodad. They still haven't. I played a bit. Well, of they it. did talk quite a bit about the basement in this game, but they did not explain what's going on in the basement. That's to a my good, yeah. It kind of came off as it's probably really like wet down there, and it's like he likes very to much just go and lay in the wet. Yeah, like an octopus <laughs> habitat is down in the basement. It's yeah. kind of what I there now. As as silly as it is to say that there that this game leaves me with unanswered questions. <laughs> uh, there were two actually. One was 
uh, what's he doing in the basement? And the other was, what the heck is this war that Chef Fujimoto keeps talking that about? That was an interesting question. So we see a lot of flashbacks in the game. It's in fact told out of sequence. He, he's like, I mean, do we want to, do we want to, sound the spoiler horn such as it is for this three hour game it's not even three i feel a little silly really i i took three hours and 11 minutes to to finish it i did finish it in one sitting but i feel almost embarrassed at my gaming skill that took me three hours to complete this game i think a good solid hour of that was trying to climb that weird play structure at the aquarium oh geez oh at least that was the most difficult part actually i I managed to scale that pretty quickly i think um my most frustrating uh scene was the final scene which we'll talk about in a minute but here i will go ahead and fire off the spoiler break so this ladies and gentlemen is your spoiler break But uh, yeah, I, I was going to say this is an interesting game. How so? Very cute. <laughs> yeah, I think it could easily be like if it weren't quite so frustrating, I think it could easily be a kid's game. But um, I don't think I would hand this to a kid because I think they would never, ever, ever, ever be able to complete it. I think they're trying to sell it to kids. I think I think they want it to be. I think they want kids to play it. Hence the Minecraft uh, thing they dropped in there. Oh, yeah, and... that was a neat reference i forgot about that you know and i thought it was very much designed for kids i think a kid would probably enjoy this game they would take longer to play it because they would wreck every they would just leave leave complete havoc in their wake yeah you know but actually i like to think that i'm better at video games than children are but that's probably not true no probably not so honestly, a, a kid would probably bro- blow through this game faster than I did. Oh, they'd figure out some trick where it's like, oh, well, you know, if you lift up the octopus's left leg and you hook it over the lamppost at the first level of the game, you can rocket ship yourself right to the end and, and kill Fujimoto with an axe right at, the, right at the beginning. Oh, man. Why didn't I figure that out? Yeah, I actually think that it is a great game to play with kids. This is the kind of game that I almost wished as I was playing through it that I had a child that I could uh, play the game with because it has that great co-op mode. Well, yeah, actually it had co-op. Yeah, that would be good with a, with a kid. It'd be great with a kid because um, one person can control the legs and the other person can control the arm. And actually, I think almost in some ways it might be easier that way. Yeah, maybe in the second game they could have octodad be revealed as two octopuses in the same outfit (laughs) well in the most recent update they added multi-dad mode where you can play through the game with multiple octodads in different colored suits well ain't that something (laughs) Uh uh-huh so uh, it's all local so you'd have to you'd have to get but what was really amusing about it was that they added support for i think it was up to 64 dads at a time and if you play that in co-op <laughs> mode, you could have up to 128 players playing the 64 uh, Octodads simultaneously on screen. You'd need a hell of a USB hub and a bunch of peripherals, but it'll support it. <laughs> Which sounds like absolute pandemonium as far as I, I can tell. Ho- hopefully there's videos of people doing this on YouTube. Unfortunately, I haven't found anything yet, but I haven't really gone and searched. If I find one, I'll drop something into the show notes. Editor's notes. Yeah, it turns out that the whole multi-dad mode thing 
was an April Fool's joke. It was on their website where I uh, saw it actually a month after April Fool's and didn't put the dates together. Pretty funny, and there's a great video on there if you want to check it out. They, uh, they also, t- at the same time, or maybe as a part of previous update tweaked some of the difficulty so when i played the game there were a lot of stealth sequences that actually apparently got toned down and changed and retooled a little bit um so yeah i didn't find that there was very many uh stealth sequences at all as i played through it like they didn't make there was only one situation where i really had to actively avoid detection through the entire game i had some real difficulty getting past some of the um, marine biologists and uh, they they had an eagle eye uh, and they would spot you if you weren't completely concealed during certain parts of the game so there were whole parts of the game where I had to solid snake it and get underneath a um, uh, like a box or other you know thing and crawl very carefully without tipping the box over and revealing myself I don't know if that was kept in the uh, in the version that toned down the stealth elements no, I didn't have to do that one time. Yeah, that was that was one of the hardest segments in the game. It was right at the entrance to the um, uh, to the aquarium. And there were at least two or three segments where there'd be a bunch of um, marine biologists standing around, looking around, and they'd look left to right, left to right. And uh, in order to get past them at all, you needed to be completely concealed. It was very difficult. Yeah, uh, I think I might have... The only place that I had trouble was also right at the entrance of the aquarium with some marine biologists. Uh, But I just looked in a dumpster and located a employee's uniform to put on and just walked right past them. Oh, I don't think that existed when I played through the game. I know they retooled that sequence and a few others uh, based on some customer feedback. So we were, when we left off before you left for a sec there, Nate, uh, we were talking a little bit about the story of the game, such as it is. It's not a deep story. Uh, It's about the same level as your average Saturday morning cartoon, but it does have some charm. And uh, I'd like to talk just a little bit about the story, because I will say that the story actually kept me moving through the game. I uh, found myself stuck a couple of times, and when I got stuck... What made me want to get unstuck was the characters in the story. I wanted to see how it concluded and how the uh, how the characters were going to react when Octodad was inevitably revealed for the octopus that he was. So to kind of set it up, we talked a little bit a moment ago about how the game, uh, the first Octodad game, really didn't have much of a plot. Uh, and it left you with a lot of questions. Like, for example, how did Octodad and his wife meet? Uh, his wife Scarlet, or how on earth did they get married? Uh, or um, why is this chef Fujimoto so murderous? Why does he want to kill poor Octodad? So we get answers to all of those questions in this game, but it's told in this out of sequence storytelling style. The very first scene is Octodad and Scarlet's wedding, and so your sort of tutorial level is getting dressed for the wedding, putting on your bow tie, getting prepared. And then walking down the aisle 
I love the very first shot uh, of that game because you know he's you've got this octopus and he's like wearing like a like a tuxedo shirt and someone opens the door and sees him and he says, "Oh my god, you're not even dressed." <laughs> that was phenomenal. And so, of course, you have to get yourself all prepared for the wedding and then walk down the aisle. And then you get married to perhaps video gaming's most understanding wife, Scarlett. Um, you know, she's got to she's got to be understanding because she is dumb as a post. Oh, come on. She's that poor. She, she, she's looking. Nobody like, can tell that Octodad isn't a regular dad. You can't say she's stupid. Everyone <laughs> is stupid. They're Only not... the one guy and the microbiologist, which I feel like it's safe to talk about them. Yeah, the uh, the marine biologists, or I'm sorry, marine biologists, because they can they know a fish when they see a fish. Yeah. <laughs> in the uh, in the aquarium, there's all these posters of the marine biologists with that phrase: "We know a fish when we see one." <laughs> <laughs> so the game is told through primarily a series of flashbacks. You get to see. How Octodad and Scarlet met. Octodad crawls onto a sea-going uh, vessel during a storm, and uh, Scarlet is a reporter reporting on something going on on the ship. Uh, and Fujimoto, the evil chef who wants to cook and eat uh, Octodad, is the ship's cook and the only one who recognizes Octodad for the octopus that he secretly is. I, I it seems to me. That there's a, a deep backstory implied to the Octiverse um, <laughs> uh, by Chef Fujimoto's character. Now, I'm, I'm going to riff a little bit here, but I'm pretty sure that uh, this game uh, takes place in the aftermath of some kind of octopus-human war. Uh, where the octopi were... Or cod. ...wiped out. Or cod? What about cod? I don't know. They are talking about... the The chef goes into a whole thing about cod at one point and how they wiped out all the cod maybe that's what started the war perhaps definitely that's it so after the octopi wiped out all the cod <laughs> uh humanity went to war on them and uh chef fujimoto uh was the greatest general <laughs> of that war in a sense you could uh, see this as a post-apocalyptic comedy drama oh yeah po- post-octalyptic <laughs> oh jesus it's a little late, there guys. Have, we need to we need to start wrapping this up. Yeah. There have not been nearly enough octopus puns in this episode, though. I'll give you that. I agree. We need at least eight times this many. <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah, the main like all, besides all the flashbacks, it's basically it's a lot of just day to day stuff. You wake up and you have to go into the kitchen and get coffee, make coffee for yourself, and then make lunch for your kids, and then mow the lawn and weed the garden. And then your wife wants everyone to go to the aquarium. Which is really a horrible want. idea because, yeah. of course, this would... <laughs> yeah. You really don't want to go to the aquarium. And so they kind of trick you and you go to the grocery store where you have to do simple stuff like get frozen pizza and chocolate milk and all that. But they all are difficult. Mm-hmm. And can I interject that I think that the uh, the grocery store level is perhaps the best level in the game as far as just physics and comedy the grocery store level was absolutely awesome so many tiny little objects to go flying in all directions yeah the grocery store level is also where besides the tower of the children's play tower that you have to climb the grocery store level is actually where i had the most problems 
Uh, but I think at that point, I didn't fully comprehend how to control the game, too. So I was battling with myself and the game at the same time. Um, after you leave the grocery store, you do go to the aquarium where you have to... Your kids separate, and you kind of go through a series of of individual tasks to kind of reunite the group. So you have to sort of make, it, make your way through some challenges that are... Uh, part of the way that the aquarium is laid out. So you have to go and find your son, Timmy, or Tommy, and you have to go and find your daughter, Stacy, and then finally you have to go and find your wife, Scarlet. And once you've uh, sort of reassembled your family uh, in the aquarium, you get chased down by Chef Fujimoto, who is somehow in the aquarium, uh, and you go through a great sequence where he attacks you and I think somehow you end up losing your suit and you are back in full-on octopus mode and you get to swim around as an octopus. Yeah, well, he he tricks you. And we should also say real quick, uh, at the end of the house stuff where you mow the lawn, you get attacked by the chef. At the end of the grocery store stuff, you get attacked by the chef. Oh, yeah. So you're being attacked by the chef the entire way across and nobody is noticing somehow. And then he finally sets up a decoy that looks like Scarlet, and you go up to Scarlet. He is a trap. He rips off your suit and throws you into the aquarium. And then he goes and kidnaps your wife and two kids in order to finally reveal that you are an octopus. Really a spiteful guy. Yeah. And there's a really... um, At no point would I had said this game is like, very pretty or like a really you know nice looking game it's pretty standard you know but when you actually are controlling the octopus when you're controlling him as an octopus in water there's a shark chase scene and it was actually really quite pretty it it was kind of interesting the uh the angles that you got to see it as you're kind of flying through these this aquarium mm-hmm. i actually thought that the graphics of the game were i mean you're right they're not anything extraordinary uh, at at most, they are really competent and they're good quality graphics without anything flashy. But it does achieve the look that I think they're going for, which is oh yeah, that I'm, it's, I'm it not... looks like a great cartoon. Yeah, and I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying, at no point until this aquarium scene did I ever say like even really think about the graphics besides the fact that that they were perfectly cartoony. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked the the aquarium. See, I, that was this odd sequence in the game for me was the kind of a ch- aquarium chase sequence. And if there was a sequence in the game that I honestly found to be a little weaker than the rest, it was that one. Although it was very pretty, I, I will definitely say that. Um, you had essentially no control through that whole segment. Like, you had one button to press. There yeah. was the scoot button. <laughs> Um, Octoscoot. And so you would just Octoscoot your way. <laughs> and uh, I I mean, I, I feel like if they had just given you a little bit more control, like give you that feeling, it would have been so nice to have this game lead so so much up to, you know, through having having such ungainly control over this creature, right? You know, that essentially that is literally a fish out of water, the entire game and impossible well, not to literally to, a fish. An octopus is, is a, a cephalopod. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, man, I'm impressed that you had the, the perfect follow up to that. <laughs> but, um, 
but the cephalopod out of water story that this is, uh, it would have been really nice when you get him into his natural habitat. They they show it in this way, like it's it's portrayed yeah, this way. Suddenly where, he moves but, really fast, really yeah, but fast. You're right, you you're really just but by giving you no control scene. over it. Yeah. Well, you know? what, I, like, I, what if, I think you're saying is that we're kind of waiting for um, octopus. Uh, you know, a great game about being an octopus with great fluid controls and something interesting to do in the water other than run away. I actually, now that you mention it, that would be a great game. I would totally play a game about just a regular octopus. Or maybe a secret octopus that's actually a dude. Like a man in an octopus suit? Yeah. <laughs> just pre- pretend you're not drowning. <laughs> don't, let the, don't let the fish spot you. <laughs> These dolphins know a human when they see yeah. one. All right, guys, let's uh, form our own video game company. <laughs> so getting past all of that, the game more or less concludes in the third act with you uh, confronting Chef Fujimoto. And Chef Fujimoto uh, chases you through a flaming cafeteria, one of the hardest sequences in the game, where you have to run entirely on the tops of tables. I disagree. You set me up for that. I completed that in, like two tries oh i hate you that was the part <laughs> that i spent probably about 20 percent of the time i spent playing this game i oh, spent really? on that level because you have to run a sort of an obstacle course on top of a bunch of cafeteria tables that can tip over if you step wrong um and you are being pursued by chef Fujimoto. so if he catches up to you you're dead and if you make a misstep and fall off of the cafeteria tables you are falling into fire so I found that level to be really hard and, yeah. a, and a fitting conclusion to the game in terms of, you know, it really tests all of the skills you've acquired throughout the game. Yeah, it's kind of a two-part thing. There's that part where you're running across the tops of tables where everything is on fire. And that part I actually did on my second try. The second part where you actually, it's a little bit slower, nothing is directly behind you, but you have to maneuver across, uh, like, hanging scaffolding yes. across the top. That took me much longer. Mm, that was but also For whatever reason... Whatever reason, the running across the fire, uh, I did it on my second try. Hmm. So, but it took me, uh, you know, twenty five minutes to get through the frozen pizza uh, <laughs> freezer. So I'm not sitting on any tower. Yeah, here. and I, I didn't just get stuck to... there at all. So it, it's probably just a matter of everybody has their own little challenges with this game. Yeah. What a difficult game for the developer to actually tune the difficulty of. Mm-hmm. And that's why we were talking about a minute ago. They they did tune it somewhat after the release, and I think they're continuing to do a little bit. The game uh, initially had a lot more stealth aspects. There were some more stealth-oriented scenes that they retooled and uh, changed the path through that level a bit um, in order to make that easier, based on customer feedback, because apparently a, people, a lot of people, like myself, got really stuck on that part. It's very funny, because I didn't know that, and... As I played the game, I was like, they sure could have done more with the stealth elements of this game. <laughs> That's funny. Well, if I had one real criticism of this game, it's that I wish that I had at least some control over the camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that is part of it, that they wanted that element. But there were several times where I was having a really difficult time just because I couldn't properly see what I was trying to do. And if I was able to pivot the camera at all, I feel like I would have had a much better time. That's a very valid complaint. Although given the control scheme, they were using both sticks and essentially, you know, both sticks, all the triggers. I don't know if there were any 
if there was any option for them to give you additional control no, over the camera on a standard I, exactly. game Exactly. And I'm sure they designed it with that in mind, like with the camera angles that you were given, you had to make do. Mm -hmm. But there were certainly times where I was sitting there kind of just a little unable to tell what I was what I was doing. Yeah, camera and is one there, of the more common complaints I've seen about the game. I didn't have very many was, issues with it, but I totally see what you mean. Yeah. There were also times when um in the grocery store where I was trying where you're trying to get the mango soda from the flying helicopter. I was sitting here running into a wall. I was like I'm sure this is w the way to go, but the camera angle was terrible and I was finally like, well, I don't have a good angle, a good view on this, so this must not be the right way. Hmm. So I then went around the corner where I had full vision of Octodad, and that turned out to be the right way for me to go up and grab the mango soda. So I don't know if it would change the gameplay very much, but I certainly felt a little hamstrung by my inability to control the camera. Well, hopefully the next round of consoles will have gamepads with four joysticks on them. Yeah, I don't know if they could have done like you hold triangle or something could and that allows you to pivot the camera. Because this game really needed more modal controls. <laughs> it goes yeah. between arm and leg. Now you need arm, leg, and camera. Yeah, oh joy. Well, it's arm, two legs, mm -hmm. and the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so... Maybe that's what the co-op... Uh, person should do is control the camera <laughs> any last thoughts about the game before we uh before we conclude our grand octodad discussion i think i recommend you play this game i am certain that i recommend you play this game i i will agree with you both uh and i will go one step further and say i hope we play more silly games yeah you know i think too many games are too serious this was a great silly fun game and I yeah. think if this game had been much longer, this is a great example of why I think that short games are an important subgenre, if you will, because this is a game that I absolutely, totally enjoyed. I am not sure I would have enjoyed 15 hours of Octodad. Absolutely. To me, oh God. The, even four hours of Octodad would have would have been I don't too know. Much. I the, would play another Octodad game in a heartbeat. So if it was, if they added more levels, and speaking of which. Uh, if you buy the PC version of this game, and I think they, there may be a similar function in the PS4 game, I'm not totally sure. But if you're buying this on Steam, then you get access to Steam's uh, workshop. And there is a level editor for the game, and you can play additional content. There have been some really fascinating stuff put out. So if you play this game and two or two and a half hours is just not enough for you, there are some really excellent little bits of extra stuff being created by the community. A few examples are I've seen a, a great level where they recreated a cityscape and Octodad was towering above the buildings and knocking over trees and That's whole funny. buildings. Uh, and another great level where someone actually ported the entire first level of Super Mario 64 into the Octodad <laughs> engine in an almost perfect, pixel-perfect awesome. recreation. So you can try and play through that classic first level with the terrible Octodad controls. So they're really doing some That's amazing awesome. stuff with that Steam Workshop. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a game that I think has a little bit more legs to it but I'm than I think initially meets the eye. But it is a very short game that won't won't make you use this uh it, it it doesn't demand too much of your time for its silly story and its bizarre mechanics yeah i thought the game was 
incredibly funny, very inventive, uh, colorful, silly. I super can appreciate humor in a video game. Mm -hmm. I just certainly had moments where I was so frustrated that I don't know that I was having fun. Where the, the, the silliness was lost by the fact that I couldn't get my damn leg untangled from the from the fence post that I was stuck <laughs> on, and I just couldn't get out of it. And I know that's what they were going for, so I'm not necessarily bashing it. I just, and like I said, I think it took me longer than it should have. I think I was missing like what the left stick does, mm. you know. So I think I was like kind of controlling it for a long time, a little hindered. But I really did enjoy it in hindsight. But as I was going through a lot of it, I was having a difficult time. And and after your, like, eighth try to get to the top <laughs> of that tower, you're just like, I just want to get to the top of this tower so I can just move on. Yeah. Well, I know that this is not a show about giving scores or assigning numbers to things. I would say that this game is a definite recommendation. Um, and it may not be our absolute strongest recommendation, but it is a phenomenal game to pick up and enjoy that you can spend a short while with a truly original and absolutely unique gameplay mechanic and also really a charming little story. So absolutely, I'd say definitely pick up and play Octodad if you can. Where can people play this game? We've already sort of addressed that, but... Steam, obviously... Yes. PS4. Mm-hmm. Through Steam, it's available on all the platforms, isn't it? Yes, not? it's actually on Mac, Windows, and on Linux. So that's a, a big plus if you happen to be on a, a platform that is less served by some of the major developers, uh, like Mac or Linux. Another uh, place you can find this game if you're wanting to pick it up in a DRM-free form and you're not a big fan of Steam, or if you just want part of your proceeds to go to charity, uh, the Humble Store offers the game, uh, and sometimes at great discounts, so you can keep an eye on it there. Um, so uh, the game costs, at its regular price, $14.99. It's been pretty routinely going on sale for about $9.99, but I think that they are holding firm on their price. I haven't seen it go below $9.99, and I hope that they stick with that because I know that they're a young, brand-new developer. This is the indiest of the indies. This is a truly... Uh, independently produced game by a bunch of brand new to the industry uh, young developers right out of college creating something magical so uh, i 100 percent encourage you to support them with your hard-earned dollars Um, send money to these guys through any of the medium in which you can purchase this game yeah i really hope they don't starve yeah i also hope that they uh, can afford to uh, eat something other than ramen now that they've put out a highly successful game anyway uh thanks a lot for joining me guys uh this has been the short game another successful episode of the short game our uh, our exciting podcast and i hope you'll join us next time do we know what show we're what game we're covering in our next show nope wow this is the first time that we've been able to say no we don't know exactly what game we're covering so you'll see an announcement on our blog very shortly but we have some great ideas a cooking um where can people find you nate we're having a fish fry. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at NateSTL. Awesome. And Shane, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. Awesome. And you can follow me on Twitter at ReaganK. I spell that a little funny. It's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And you can follow our show on Twitter. We are at 
underscore short game. And we use the character underscore. You don't need to spell out U-N-D-E-R-S-C-O-R-E if you don't want to. Although, if you do want to... I think virtually everybody understood that. Oh, man, I've been tweeting the wrong person. I assumed it was about a, a low score yeah. in a video yeah. game. That, that, that's a reasonable assumption. So you can also right. find our absolutely awesome podcast website at uh, theshortgame.net. We're pretty proud of it, and we're trying to make sure that we post uh, on that website in advance so that if you're wanting to play along with us, play our video games that we're discussing in advance, you can follow the blog that's on that same site. That's also where you can go for our show notes, and we try to make sure that all of the links that we talk about in the, in the show, as well as any other topics that we discuss get included in those show notes if you want to go back and review something. So thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you'll join us next week on another great episode of The Short Game. How do they know it's great if we don't even know what it's going to be about? That's an excellent question. Are we hitting stop? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Stop. <laughs>